Let's go. Welcome back to the Fit Fizz podcast, my friends. And thank you for joining me today for part three of our mini series on trauma in the body. And today is all about generational trauma. And I think it is super important to bring wider awareness to this because it can and does impact your health, even if you have not endured trauma yourself. But before we get started, I'll introduce myself in case you're a new listener. I'm Kelly Wilson, owner of fitfizstudio.com, and I am a personal trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease educator, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry for over 25 years. I'm here to help you ditch the gimmicks, find strength through your struggles, give you knowledge for making the smartest choices for your own health, and to remind you to celebrate victory all along the way. We are in the middle of a mini series on all aspects of trauma. So if you haven't heard the first two, I highly recommend listening to those. And there are going to be two more episodes after this one. Uh, Please keep in mind that that the information shared is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing should be interpreted as an intent to diagnose, treat, cure, heal, or prescribe. All right, I've mentioned generational trauma a few times already. So let's get into it. First, I need to redefine the term epigenetics. So epigenetics is the study of changes in gene expression, meaning how genes do their thing, rather than alteration of the genetic code itself. So we know what genes are, right? Think of genes as like a set of instructions for how your body is going to form and grow and look. And not just externally, but genes affect us internally too. Or in other words, our health or our predisposed diseases or conditions that we might be susceptible to. So there's this set of instructions known as genes and we're born with what they are. They're imprinted in our cells and it determines a lot about our makeup. One way we see this is eye color. So for example, I have brown eyes. That's an example of genetic expression. And it's possible to do something called turning genes on and off. That is epigenetics. And this is a field I find greatly fascinating. And I will be talking a lot more about it in future episodes and various aspects of health as well. But modern science has shown us that through things like nutrition and supplementation and taking care of gut health, we can turn genes on or off in certain ways. And it's done by attaching something called methyl groups to our DNA. Now, I know this can kind of sound like a hard concept to grasp, especially if you don't love science. But um, if you've never heard of epigenetics, that's why I'm starting to explain that before I really get into more about generational trauma, uh, because it's going to relate. So you'll, you'll understand once I get into it. But when genes are turned on or off, it can change our genetic expression, but it doesn't change the actual DNA. So one very common thing that can be altered or improved with nutrition and supplementation is something called methylation, which has a lot to do with how our body, how our bodies absorb and convert and use certain vitamins. Like, for example, vitamin B12, that's strongly related to something called an MTHFR genetic variation. Now, MTHFR is both the name of a gene and an enzyme in the body. And 
I ha- there, there are genetic tests you can do. I have not done the genetic test for MTHFR yet. But based on other things that I know about my body from other lab tests that I've done and how my health was greatly improved by adding very high doses of vitamin B12, I am very certain that I most likely have two copies of the MTHFR genetic variation, one from my mom and one from my dad, which made it very hard for my body to absorb B vitamins, especially B12, no matter how much much B12 I got from food. So this is a very simplistic way of me explaining this overall concept. Um, But I was doing this to improve my health and I'm affecting my gene expression without altering my DNA. Plus, I'm always working on my gut health and my microbiome. So by doing all of this stuff for my health and doing things with epigenetics, if I were to, let's say if I were to give birth to a baby right now, that baby might not be as affected by one or two copies of an MTHFR genetic variation as a baby might have been if I had had a baby 10 years ago before I understood all of this stuff. And I'm telling you all of this because as I begin to explain more about generational trauma, I don't want anyone thinking like you're destined to live with all of the traumatic pain that your ancestors endured. There are many ways to actively heal from it, which is great. So I felt it was important to make that point. So other examples of things that can be passed down genetically from mother to child, and it can be types of generational trauma, are if there are if there's a high level of environmental toxins in the body. I did a whole episode on environmental toxins, which was episode 26. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. But basically, if the mother is doing things like heating meals in plastic dishes or drinking out of plastic water bottles all day um, or using highly toxic chemical cleaners around the house all the time, those things make an impact in the body and they block hormone receptors. And it's very hard for the body to get rid of these things after they build up for decades. And it can make it harder for the liver and kidneys to do their jobs and it can create sickness and disease over the course of decades, like autoimmune disease. And these things, these this buildup of toxic chemicals can get passed on to babies. So this is another example of how systemic racism impacts marginalized communities and mostly people of color because it takes money to use glass dishes instead of plastic or to get non-toxic cleaners instead of whatever is cheapest at the local dollar store. So imagine the impacts of these things among many other factors adding up over time. And it most definitely makes a bigger impact on health status as more and more generations are born. It has an impact on genetic expression. So this is a huge reason why we see young girls reaching puberty much earlier than we used to. I remember reading at one point that for every 10 years of time that passes, that young girls hit puberty at an average of eight months sooner, and that adds up. And uh, we know that a big reason for this is environmental toxins that block hormone receptors and things like BPAs and plastics and uh, and cash register receipts, uh, BPAs and BPSs, um, as well as a very high prevalence of soy products, which are mostly always sprayed with what? Pesticides, toxins, one of the most dangerous types of environmental toxins. 
because they mimic estrogen. And these all contribute to reasons why girls are hitting puberty much earlier than they did 20 to 30 years ago. And we haven't even added in trauma yet. So all of, imagine all of that stuff happening. You're being impacted by all these things in life that are probably, that might be out of your control. Um, but then we add on trauma of all kinds, like abuse, addiction, mental health issues, violence, molestation, not having a loving home, financial struggles, home loss, having loved ones die, uh, living through natural disasters, all those types of trauma that I've mentioned in the past couple episodes. Now, here's a very interesting thing about generational trauma. As recently as 2017, scientists have found that these types of genetic expressions caused by environmental factors, like I was just talking about, these can be passed down by as many as 14 generations in certain animal studies. So it wasn't tested on humans because a lot of these things can't legally be tested on humans because it would be harmful, but... 14 generations that this stuff can be passed down in some animals. It's very interesting. Another study showed that people and their children and their grandchildren who survived, who, who, who survived the Dutch famine of 1944 to 1945 were found to have an increased glucose intolerance in adulthood. And that is something that could potentially be changed on an individual basis so it's a result of generational trauma from that famine that could be changed with the power of epigenetics. And another study found that descendants of, of Holocaust survivors had tended to have lower levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. And that's another interesting example because we know that we can do things to change our levels of cortisol. And then if mothers change their baseline of cortisol and then have babies, it's passed on to them. So generational trauma in action. Now let's tie this back to trauma that you might have inherited. So if you're lucky enough to know your parents and or grandparents or lineage further back than that, you might know of specific traumas that they endured, or you might not. If you're in America, at some point, your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents probably came to this country with next to nothing, and they built a life through a whole lot of hard work and blood, sweat, and tears, and probably a whole lot of trauma. And if you're a Black American who is a descendant of slaves in America, and maybe you don't know much about your lineage because of the trauma of the history of slavery in America, it's not only tragic. But there's most certainly a lot of trauma that past generations have endured and passed on genetically. So no family is perfect, and we all have some kind of generational trauma. But one very important thing about right now is that we have so many resources on how to heal trauma that past generations never had, like this podcast right now. So I'm doing this not only for you to know about it, but to learn ways to heal it so that we don't keep passing on unhealed trauma to future generations. And I'm going to do a whole episode on healing trauma and what kind of options are out there. But when families have certain topics or events that are treated as a taboo topic or it's too taboo to talk about, that is usually a sign that there is trauma to be healed and work to be done. And I'm a firm believer that the hard things to talk about are always the things that need to be talked about. 
I think that having certain traumatic events from your family's lineage is pretty common. And you might be able to think of a traumatic event that you maybe vaguely know happened to somebody in your family, but you basically know that it happened, but that's about all that you know. Um, My grandparents have been passed away for years now, but I know that one of my uncles has often told me that my grandma always used to say, I just keep quiet to keep the peace. And he and I have recently talked about why she used to say that, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I think that kind of hush-hush attitude is a lot more common from generations who lived through roughly World War II and prior to that than it is now. So keeping traumatic events that happened within families or to family members as a taboo topic is really unhealthy. And this is one aspect of generational trauma. If your family tends to be hush-hush about past traumas in the family, one step towards facilitating healing, healing that trauma, is that you can be the one to find a way to open up conversations about it. Okay, have you ever had a moment where you're just going about your day and you're in a good mood and you walk into a room and you know people are in there, but you walk in and suddenly you're met with like a wave of seriousness without anybody even saying anything to you? And maybe you sense that someone is about to tell you something, some really bad news, and somehow your body just knows for sure. You feel it in your gut. That's energy. And nobody told you, and yet you know. This kind of thing could even even be called quantum biology. And when you feel things, and there are chemical reactions taking place in your body, and our hormone receptor sites, and how they interact with and process things like vitamins and minerals. All of this is related to why sometimes we feel actual pain in our stomachs and our hearts when traumatizing events take place. It's not just imagined. There are actual biological events happening in the body, throughout the whole body, and all of our cells. So for just a moment, I want you to picture some kind of traumatic event. Maybe it's Abuse or assault or robbery or losing a loved one or being diagnosed with an incurable disease. So picture a trauma. And I want you, and oh, also before I go on, I want to re mention all the various forms of systemic racism again that are forms of trauma and the numerous ways that we have Black and Latino and Native American communities all being impacted due to generations of oppression from the horrific racist history of this country and how they are impacted to this day, which results in several types of trauma repeated from one generation to the next. Things as simple as not having enough food or being at the mercy of whatever food banks have to give them. Um, and I'm going to get a little bit off track here, but while I'm mentioning food banks, um, food banks tend to have a lot of very highly processed inflammatory frankenfoods like hamburger helper and canned goods that are not exactly nutrient dense. They're, they're just simply not. Um, so it's one thing if you have a job and you choose to eat things like hamburger helper, but it's another thing if you have no income, no health insurance, You're already suffering from poor health. And then you're also at the mercy of eating food from food banks because that's all you have. And that food, if it's highly processed frankenfood, it's going to be inflammatory garbage. So 
again, even though I'm a little off track, if you're donating to food to a food bank, you can be saving someone's health by spending a few extra dollars to give foods that are as healthy as possible because they are going to people who probably don't have access to healthcare. Nutrition is such a big part of health, but I think a lot of people have the attitude of donating the cheapest possible food to food banks, but the people using food banks are people who really need healthy foods the most. They might not even know that they have a dairy allergy or a gluten intolerance or leaky gut or that uh, certain inflammatory foods are making diabetes worse. But I promise you, there are people who do have those problems even if they don't know it yet. And you can make their lives much better by giving a little bit higher quality food than the cheapest stuff possible. And that's just one very small example of how you can help fight systemic racism. But let me get back on track. All right. I can't recall which episode I said it on, but there's a saying that goes, your issues are in your tissues. And it's referring to how we store emotions in the tissues of our bodies. So in, it's stored in all of our muscle and fat cells and our organs. And you might have heard of or maybe even experienced a professional massage or um, having an emotional release, like crying. That is because tissue manipulation or massage can release some of this emotion that we're holding in tissues in our bodies. I've even heard of people getting sick after a massage. That's an emotional release happening from stored emotions uh, trapped in the tissues of the body. It's in our nervous system. And this can be seen even in the simple concept of becoming really tight in the shoulders or in the jaw or the face when we've had a stressful day and we don't even realize that we're doing it. But several hours later, we can start to feel that pain, right? And our bodies are reacting and it's a stress response. And the more you do it or the more intense it is, your tissues and your cells start to develop a type of memory from it. That's why we see a lot of people that get those the 11s, the frown lines in between their eyebrows. Um, And another example, just like with weightlifting, where we know that muscle memory is a very real thing. And in case you haven't heard of it, I'll explain it really quickly. When someone weight trains heavily for months or years, and then let's say they have to take time off for whatever reason, maybe an injury or a sickness, the more time they spent lifting before, the quicker they're going to bounce back thanks to a thing called muscle memory. So once the body feels those stressors, like the lifting of the weights that take place on the central nervous system, uh, the body kind of wakes up and is like, oh yeah, we remember this feeling. Let's get back to it. So this is sort of the same idea as generational trauma, but in a very negative way. Past generations lived through trauma like famine or poverty or abuse or disease. And the stressors create chemical reactions in the central nervous system, which the body remembers. And if it's left unchecked, untreated, unreleased, or unhealed, it is most definitely passed on to offspring. And if you're wondering if this is why diseases tend to run in families, yes, there is a correlation. That is one reason why that happens. Uh, especially if no one has taken the initiative to implement epigenetics, as I spoke about in the beginning, to turn genes on or off to prevent things like that from being passed on. Now, another way to put this very simply is let's say that a woman is sexually assaulted. 
it's a big T trauma. Let's say that she does not have the means or the awareness of trauma trauma healing therapy, but she has PTSD. And along with that, there's also, also the issue of the body remaining in a heightened fight, flight, or freeze state, which impacts cortisol, the stress hormone. And the way it impacts cortisol is that the cortisol is either going to skyrocket and be very high, which is unhealthy, or if it's high long enough, it's going to crash and become non-existent. I've experienced both of those things, and they're both horrible. And let's say that she gets no relief in her life following that result that assault. Let's say that she's single and she doesn't have the calming comfort comforts of physical touch, which we know is a vital part of health. Let's say she can't sleep. She loses her job. She starts becoming allergic to foods as a result of stress, which all stemmed from the trauma of sexual assault. And then if she becomes pregnant, imagine the chaotic state that her hormones were in purely from the stressful events of life. And there's a new life being formed who is getting signals from the mother that that level of stress is a baseline, quote unquote, normal. But in reality, we know that's not normal at all. And we know a brand new healthy fetus shouldn't be developing with that level of stress. But that's what happens a lot. And when families cannot break out of systemic oppression or hardships, that's where we have generational trauma. And that's how it's continually passed on and unfortunately rarely healed. Now, going back to the fight, flight, or freeze response when something traumatic is happening. So our hormones like cortisol and adrenaline go up in order to help us survive. But the body is not designed to remain in a heightened state of fight, flight, or freeze response for a long time. In a primitive sense, it's supposed to happen like, you know, if you think of yourself, the primitive version of yourself (laughs) centuries ago, like a tiger is chasing you and then you find a place to hide and then the body returns to normal and the cortisol and adrenaline return to normal. But with modern day trauma being not only vast, but also compounded by all of the unhealed trauma that was passed on in the tissues of our bodies from all of the previous generations and their unhealed trauma, it's no wonder that we have this vast, vast number of people experiencing so much of a struggle to feel mentally and physically healthy. When a traumatic event happens and a person is unable to release the trauma or find safety or they can't find comfort it remains in the body and the body stays in that fight flight or freeze response and the hormones keep pumping pretty much until sickness or disease occurs and even after that and this is also another reason why it's really important to it's really important to not hold your feelings in for me personally, I know that it can I can be annoying to other people how I personally express and experience a lot of big feelings all the time. And I am an empath. I am a highly sensitive person. I am expressive. It feels impossible for me to hold my feelings in, whether they're good or bad. And my skin is a lot thicker than it used to be, but I cry pretty easily because I feel all of the feelings intensely and I feel other people's feelings as well, especially if I'm 
physically around them. And that's what being an empath is. And then sometimes people will say to me, gosh, you've been through so much. It's amazing that you don't hate men with all the horrible things you've been through or that you don't hate life. And it's so great that you just keep fighting and that you're not so bitter. And honestly, I think it's because I let my feelings out. I don't think I could bottle up my feelings if somebody paid me. I'm just, I, I just, it's just not in me. So I think that if I were the type of person who did bottle feelings up, I think that all of the trauma that led to the downfall of my own health a few years ago, I think it would have been a lot worse if I was the type of person to bottle up my feelings. Now, that's not to say that I have released all of my trauma. I'm nowhere close to that, which I will elaborate on later. But as much as some people can't stand me for how expressive I am at times, I do think that my ability to express emotions saved me from having even more pain when all of my past traumas culminated into autoimmune disease. And in case you're listening and maybe you're like, Kel, I'm not quite buying this. What are you even talking about? If you're still not quite believing how trauma is stored in our tissues and passed on through several generations, all you have to do is think about how PTSD, or we now know it's called PTS, how that works. So people have flashbacks that can be brought on by a word, a sound, a smell, or a certain person. And yes, it's all linked in the brain. But new science is showing us that there is so much correlation between the brain and the digestive system that some scientists and doctors are actually calling the gut our second brain. So when people, when somebody has a flashback or the pain of trauma is triggered with even mild anxiety, it's not just our brains making us feel something, but it's a chemical reaction in the gut and the hormones and the cells that are reacting through the whole, whole body. If you find this really interesting, uh, I have a book to suggest to you. I highly, highly recommend it. Even if you're the type of person who only reads maybe or listens to like one book a year, I hope it will be this one. I feel that literally every single person, person should read or listen to this book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Uh, it's B-E-S-S-E-L Van Der Kolk, K-O-L-K. If you just search for The Body Keeps the Score, it's super popular. You'll find it anywhere if you just search for The Body Keeps the Score. But he does the best job of explaining generational trauma, how it stays in the body, and how it leads to autoimmune diseases and cancer, and how it affects our health so much deeper than most people are aware of. And it's all about how the body essentially keeps score of all of the pain that it's been through from your lifetime and from your ancestors until it's healed. And bringing this back to racism again, so if you can imagine all of the pain that American slaves went through from the year 1619 through all of the 1800s and into the 1900s and into the 1960s when they were still fighting for civil rights and equality and even today in 2020 when it's clear that racism is still destroying lives. And so in 2020, we have great, great, great grandchildren that are walking around today carrying the pain in their tissues of their body from 
when their ancestors were being lynched and beaten and brutalized in other ways. So hopefully this awareness of generational trauma gives you new awareness on how it's tragically no surprise that we see disease prevalence being higher in people when that is their lineage. Um, One interesting thing that I want to point out is when we have friends or maybe you are the person who has come from a family where abuse or addiction was prevalent and maybe you said something like, I'm not going to be anything like them. I'm going to do better. I'm going to treat people right and I'm going to have a happy life. That is fantastic. That's awesome that you want to change those actions. But changing actions, this is important, changing actions doesn't resolve the underlying trauma that is still undeniably there. So a missing part of the equation is that in order to heal the trauma, the feelings also have to be felt. You can't just pretend that the harm or the trauma isn't there and go about your life. Healing generational trauma doesn't work like that. So I want you to think about the importance of that as well. Now, there's so much terrible stuff happening in the world now, but we have access to healing so much more trauma than ever before. So in part four, in the next episode, I'm going to talk about trauma responses and trauma bonds, two other big important pieces of everything to do with trauma and how to identify them in your life. And after that, we're going to talk about healing in the final episode. I also have a brand new shirt in the Fit Fizz shop that simply says, do the work. And you can get it for 25% off if you use the code TRAUMAWORK through the end of July. There's a a tank top and there's a t-shirt. And it just says, do the work, which can be a reference to so many things. Do the work in the gym. But I also think it's a good reminder to remind yourself, most of all, that doing the work on trauma for yourself and your family is important for your health. And before I go, I want to give a very special thank you to my Patreon supporters, Wendy C, Jaris H, Zach R, Pamela P, Elise V, and to the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. If you'd like to support the show and get extra discounts in the FitFizz shop, you can check out the options at patreon.com slash Kelly Wilson. I greatly appreciate every dollar to help make this show happen. I hope that you found this show valuable enough to share with someone you love. And until next time, breathe, be kind to yourself, and find the courage to start having tough conversations about trauma. Celebrate victory.